sure as God made green apples, someday the Chicago Cubs are going to be in the World Series. And maybe sooner than we think. Here's the old This is going to be a tough play. What's going on, Cubs fans? You were listening to Lockdown Cubs, part of the Lockdown Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Sean Sears. On today's episode, we are recapping the Cubs' home opener as they stomp the Pirates 10-0, as we'll discuss the nice run the bullpen has been on recently in this first segment, which was able to not allow any runs to come in as John Lester left here in the third inning, so we'll talk about that in the first segment. And then the second segment, Ken Rosenthal wrote his weekly column for The Athletic, talking about the Cubs possibly selling now, he admits it's early, but he's kind of making a reference to the 2013 Red Sox and the 2016 Yankees and the similar moves they made to kind of get themselves ready to compete once again after the following season. So he kind of likens the Cubs to that to an extent. I'll kind of go through that article and also kind of hit on Craig Kimbrell's stuff that Rosenthal wrote in there, and then we'll kind of touch on a few things and wrap up the show. You can get Locked on Cubs on the brand new podcasting app Himalaya, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn app, Radio, pretty much wherever you can find podcasts, you can find Locked on Cubs. And if for some reason you can't, tell your smart speaker when you get in your car to play podcast Locked on Cubs for all our great content. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Locked on Cubs, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Talking Cubs at Cubs Insider on YouTube, and you can follow me on Twitter at Sean R. Sears. So, this first segment, let's recap actually a fun game. The Cubs obviously won this game 10 to nothing and um, looked really good, honestly. The only downside from this game was really that John Lester had to leave in the third inning. Um, had some hamstring issues, looked like he was pitching for a bit. Um, Joe Madden, the trainer, pretty much everyone came to the mound during the third inning, took a look at him. He th- faced one more batter and they pulled him from there. But the scoring actually started in the second inning when John Lester hit a double in the between the center and left field gap and scored Daniel Descalso. Uh, Descalso actually before that had actually looked like he grounded out to end the inning as the Cubs had gone down. I think Kyle Schwarber grounded out, wasn't Contreras struck out, and then Daniel Descalso um, hit a ground ball to the right, uh, the right side of the field, was picked up by the shortstop Kelvin, uh, Kevin Newman, who had shifted over and threw the ball away from Josh Bell. So Descalso was safe on the air. Uh, Tyon decided to walk. Jason Hayward to get to John Lester and Big John doubled, scoring a run. And then shortly after that, uh, literally right after that, Ben Zobrist hit a single on the right side of the field to Melky Cabrera. Jason Hayward scored, and so did John Lester. And the Cubs went up 3 nothing quickly in the bo- bottom of the second. And it didn't stop from there. Anthony Rizzo hit a single into center field that scored Ben Zobrist. Chris Bryant, who had walked prior, got on base and moved to third. Javier Baez then singled on what looked like him throwing the bat at the ball on a ball that bounced. He just kind of dropped his bat 
It placed off his bat perfectly over the shortstop's head. Um, Chris Bryant scored. Rizzo jumped to second. It was 5-0 Cubs. And then Schwarber reached on a fielding error from Newman once again. Rizzo scored after the throwing error. Baez jumped to third. The Cubs took a 6-0 lead in the second inning. Bottom of the third, Zobers grounded into a double play that scored Descalso. Hayward moved to third. Uh, it was the first out of that inning. And then later on, Chris Bryant hit a double to right field that just kind of fell right in front of Cabrera and Jason Hayward scored, making it 8-0. And then to finish the game off, Kyle Schwarber in the fourth inning hit a fly ball to the center field. Uh, it was more left center, honestly. Javier Baez scored as he Schwarber won oppo put the score up 10 nothing, and that was the game there for the Cubs. On the pitching side of things, obviously John Lester left in the third inning but looked strong before he hurt his hamstring. Uh, only managed to obviously go the two innings, the two hits, or three hits, excuse me, one walk, four strikeouts. Lester looked good. Only managed those 45 pitches, but he lowered his ERA down to 257 for the season. Um, reports early on for Lester and his injury right now, he made comments after the game saying he was anticipating making his start um, his next start, but you know, it, it was time was going to tell. It sounded like there was going to be some tests or things that results they were going to get today to kind of decide what the future was for Lester. But at the moment, right now, uh, status on John Lester's TBD, which is frustrating because he's been probably the Cubs' most reliable starter right now, with everyone else kind of having issues. Him and Cole Hamels have been kind of the the rocks in this rotation to start the year, um, but. The good news is the bullpen looked great. Seven scoreless innings. Brad Brock, who ends up getting the win, went two innings, only gave up one hit, had three strikeouts. Uh, Brandon Kinsler, two strong innings as well. He had two strikeouts. Randy Rosario, two strikeouts and two innings, allowed two hits. And then Pedro Strupp came in and made it a little interesting. He gave up a hit and a walk, struck out the side, and then got a double play, or struck out one guy, and then got a double play to end the game. So... Overall, pretty good. Jamison Tyon, on the other hand, not so great. Surprisingly, though, only won the two innings as well, gave up four hits, had six runs, but all of them were deemed unearned because of the air that the Scalso had, that the uh, play for the Scalso on first. So, um, Link Casper was kind of talking about that in the broadcast. He felt like that was kind of unfair, that some of those runs should have been dropped on Jamison Tyon, but he escapes without giving up a true earned run. And this game was pulled in the second. He was not fooling too many guys. The Cubs, as weird as it had been, Tyon had done pretty well in his first three, in his last three starts against the Cubs. But the Cubs all were hitting really well with them. A ton of guys with, guys with OPS over a thousand against uh, Tyon, and it kind of showed. They weren't necessarily fooled by anything. He got himself out of some trouble in the first inning. I think Zobers walked to lead off the game, or maybe he had a single. I'm trying to remember. He got on base, um, and then Tyon kind of worked his way from there, and then the Cubs. Obviously, the bottom half that that lineup has done relatively well for them to start this season. Um, taking a quick look at some of the offensive power numbers right now, Wilson Contreras and Jason Hayward are leading the way right now for this Cubs offense. Um, Contreras right now slashing, I believe, 308, 455, 731. He's got a runs creation or weighted runs creation plush of 195. Obviously, that's a little bloated just because how early the season is, but that's still great to see. Jason Hayward just behind him at 156 on weighted runs creation. He's batting 230 or 223, 421, 613. He's got a bat up of 280. Excuse me, and an ISO of 290. Um, a lot of power. Both him, him and Contreras were walking relatively high. Uh, Hayward's at about 
Uh, Contreras is just over 18%. Victor Carantini has been impressive as well so far. He's slashing. He's betting 545 on base percentage of 643, and then obviously a slugging of 909. His run creation is an ungodly right now of 286. Just ridiculous numbers. Him and John Lester apparently <laughs> are offensive behemoths. As <laughs> uh, Lester's at a uh, 329 runs creation for the year, obviously. That's extremely bloated with shorter plate appearances and whatnot. But the Cubs' offenses looked good. At least those guys have. The rest of it, I mean, still impressive. I think what really kind of scares you right now is that Chris Bryant hasn't necessarily looked like Chris Bryant to start this year. He's batting 233 with a 313 on base percentage, and that's what's really killing you there. A 395 slugging. Both those numbers, not good. Um, Anthony Rizzo kind of struggling a little bit too as well. He's still getting a base in an excellent clip just because he's, he's walking quite a bit. He's at 383 for on-base percentage, but a 259 average and a 420 slugging isn't necessarily crazy numbers for him. Um, I expect things to kind of bounce back here, but Chris Bryant, he's working on kind of hitting the ball to right field because he feels like if he can get the ball to right field and up, he can kind of start focusing on his power stro- swing and stroke as a, as JD keeps pointing out in the broadcast, but you know, overall, I mean, this was a really great win and a great, a great win to kind of pull the focus less on this Cubs team starting out so historically bad and more so on, you know, Hey, they're home. They've got a chance to play in front of people that want to cheer from all the time. And Hey, the bullpen looks solid. And of course this offense has been incredible to start the season. There's 72 runs are the most in their first 10 games of the season since they scored 76 in 1954. It's the first time in franchise history. They've scored at least 10 runs in five or their first 10 games for the Chicago Tribune. Uh, Len Casper and J.D. Martinez, or J.D. were, were pointing out here as well, Jim Deshaies, not J.D. Martinez, excuse me, um, <laughs> that, you know, th- there's been so many games the Cubs really truly haven't had a real safe opportunity just because they've been down by so much or scoring so much or whatever it may be. Uh, it's been some strange scores to start the season, but this Cubs offense looks great, and they hit just about everyone, and I think that was what I was looking for through this first week. I wanted to see if this was something coming from some bad pitching from the Rangers, or if this truly was an offensive team that was going to score. And we've seen through every team they face so far, there's been moments where they might have like a day where a pitcher's looking well, you know, Max Fried and Zach Davies kind of shut down the Cubs offense a little bit, but you know, one guy's got a no hitter and the other one's been historically a guy, the Cubs struggle against. It makes sense, but everything, every other game, it looks like, I mean, the Cubs have been able to score seven, eight runs easily right now. So um, they currently lead the league in runs scored, but they're also leading the league in runs allowed. So um, <laughs> obviously things need to change, but this was a good step for the bullpen. I'm, I'm excited to see what we what this what these guys have at least. I mean, Tyler Chatwood now has got a defined role, and I like that. Kyle Ryan and Alan Webster have shown they can kind of fit in multiple spots, whether it's middle relief or later in a game. They have stuff that they can miss with. Uh, Brock, Kinsler, Rosario, and Strope looked great yesterday. Um, you've got things to build off of here. That's good. It, it finally feels like things are moving in the right direction, despite the Cubs still only being three and seven. Before we roll into the second segment, we do have a quick word from our sponsor, Blue Chew. Guys, let's talk about sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up, bluechew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable, the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as the pill, so you can be ready whenever a moment arises. 
Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants that extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. For instance, most guys talk a good game, but if you're one and done, Blue Chew can even help you fall through for round two. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the US and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free using special promo code MLB. Just pay $5 for shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code MLB to try it free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. We thank them for sponsoring Lockdown Cubs. Welcome back to Lockdown Cubs. Thanks for sticking with us at the break. Before we get started in the second segment, I did want to clarify something. I said the Cubs were the best in runs scored, but they're actually third in the majors at 6.89 runs per game. Um, so third, not first, but essentially the same difference. They're one of the top teams in run scoring, points still made here, but they're dead last at 7.51 ERA on the season. So obviously pitching needs to get better. And on that topic, Ken Rosenthal, who writes a, day, a weekly column kind of on The Athletic going over what's generally happening in the MLB, some of the bigger stories he focused on. And the first story he hit on was the Cubs, um, talking about how if things continue to go awry like they were to start this season, that it might make sense for the Cubs to try and make some moves to kind of throw their hat, you know, throw the white towel on for 2019 and try to reload for 2020. Um, kind of compares them to the Red Sox and the Yankees from 2013 and 2016, where, you know, the Red Sox obviously traded a lot of players. I think it was $250 million is what Rosenthal points out here. And guys like Carl Crawford, uh, Adrian Gonzalez, Josh Beckett, all the Dodgers, to sign guys like Shane Victorino, Mike Napoli, Cup favorite Ryan Dempster, et cetera, et cetera. Um, shedding calorie like, or salary cap like that. And then, of course, the Yankees – you know, added a couple of huge pieces in 2016 when they traded uh, Rodgers, Chapman, Andrew Miller, whatever it may be, Carlos Beltran, and got back pieces that they used for the moment, but then also used to get other pieces like James Paxton and Zach Britton, et cetera, et cetera. So they were saying the Cubs could try and do something like that. They being uh, Ken Rosenthal, um, they don't have the attractive trade pieces that the Yankees or Red Sox do or did at that time and don't really have the guys that make a ton of sense to move. And they don't have, I mean, the guys you would want to move to save salary cap would be guys like Jason Hayward, Tyler Chatwood, you Darvish, potentially, um, none of those guys are going to be on shorter deals. So you're taking a good chunk of money on for X amount of time as we've talked to death about Jason Hayward, but he mentions guys like Cole Hamels, Ben Zoberist, Brandon Morrow, Steve Ciszek, Brandon Kinsler, Brett Brock, and Pedro Strope as guys that, you know, might be, if the cups really were you know, done, this is over. It's, it's obvious they're not going to compete in this division type of thing. Those guys make sense. They are three and seven right now. And obviously that's a concern. Currently they are, I believe, now four and a half back because the Brewers lost um, on Monday, which yes, they are. They're four and a half back. So we'll go over the standings here in a second. Um, but yeah, that was an, it was an interesting article because I, I don't think, I mean, most Cubs fans are going to hear that and think like, Oh, you idiot. But it wasn't a dumb idea. It, it's something that I think is probably a little too early to talk about just because we are seeing teams like the Red Sox, the, the Yankees, uh, you know, pick a team right now that's supposed to be relatively good. That isn't quite yet outside of maybe like the Astros or whatever it may be. But yeah, I mean, like the Rays are leading that division. The Mariners seem to be the best team in baseball right now. Things are going to change. It's very 
reminds me of the Mets last year coming out to a super hot start and then, you know, falling apart and down towards the bottom of that division like we were expecting. So, you know, there's always some teams that surprise it's whether or not they can sustain. So I I thought this was an interesting article because it, it does make sense. If the Cubs do fall apart and they, they get to a point where they can't do much, the core players are too talented to, to waste a year. So if you really have to get the most out of a year, it could make more sense to you know, maybe if you are dealing with injuries, just to say, hey, you know what, you're on the 60-day IL, you know, we'll figure things out as a rehab assignment or whatnot as the season goes on. But, you know, we're we're anticipating you being gone for the year and then trying to move guys like Cole Hamels, Pedro Strobe, whatever, what have you if, you, if you do need to reload. Obviously, I don't think trading Pedro Strobe's ever a smart idea, um, <laughs> but it, I, I could see it. I could see where this makes somewhat sense, somewhat some sense here. Um, Rosenthal also hit on Craig Kimbrell and how he was saying that uh, how a lot of the teams that would likely sign Craig Kimbrell actually kind of need Craig Kimbrell. Uh, mentions the Red Sox, the Cubs, Braves, Brewers, and Nationals as teams that all could make sense in adding Craig Kimbrell. Obviously, all these teams look to be in a playoff hunt or should be as the season ends. And he's kind of making the point that Kimbrell could be enough to separate a team like the, the Cubs or maybe the Brewers all of a sudden if they had Craig Kimbrell that, that elevates them to another level. And it likely guarantees that one of these teams ends up winning their division because of it. Um, it makes sense. I'm not necessarily on board with the whole idea that Craig Kimbrell saves everything. Um, obviously, the Cubs bullpen is putting things together now, at least has been recently. Um, Craig Kimbrell makes a whole lot of sense, though. And out of all those teams that they listed, outside of maybe the Brewers, I think the Cubs get the biggest jump. In terms of you know being a team that's middling and not quite sure where we're at in this division to elevating themselves to right there with the Brewers, if not higher than them, because of their offense production. So, I mean, it does make a difference, and it it would give the Cubs some stability. Um, they just aren't going to op. They're they're operating as if the luxury tax is already you know consumed their payroll and, and they can't do much there. Obviously, that's not the case. We've talked about it to death here on this podcast, but. Um, Craig Kimbrell still out there lurking with not a lot of options for the Cubs to try and trade for pieces if they did want to make a move at the deadline, and particularly because they, they don't have too many attractive pieces they could get rid of that don't make more sense in this Cubs system. So they're in a spot where they either spend money or they, they're saddled with who they have, and I think they made that decision a long time ago. Before we go, we'll do a quick little preview of Wednesday's game, I believe... Before we wrap up Locked On Cubs, we'll do a quick little look out at Wednesday's game. It's Jordan Lyles versus Yu Darvish. Lyles has yet to give up a run in five innings of work so far this season, while Yu Darvish in two starts has been pretty lackluster. He's only combined to throw six and two-thirds innings. He lasted two and two-thirds and four innings in the loss against Atlanta last week. Um, he lowered his ERA kind of, but I don't know if that counts. He's got 11 walks to six strikeouts on the air. Um, you're just hoping for Darvish to kind of be able to throw a whole game this time. So we'll see what happens. He's got the Cub faithful in front of him and the Pirates team that struggled to score runs. Um, this seems like a good opportunity for you, Darvish, to bounce back. So we'll talk about more of that tomorrow. And then before we leave this show, quickly in NL Central standings, kind of recap really quick. Obviously, the Brewers, 8-3, and three, they lead this division. They are two games up on Pittsburgh, who is 5-4 and four right now. St. Louis five and five, two and a half back. The Cubs three and seven, four and a half back. Cincinnati at the bottom at one and eight. They are six games back. Sorry, Jeff. Um, that'll about do it here for Lockdown Cubs. Of course, if you guys have not done so, remember to get this show every day. Subscribe to Lockdown Cubs on the new Himalaya podcast app. Great new app. They've got curated curated playlists as they always want me to talk about here. The app's really fun. 
I like it just because you can put together multiple, you know, playlist things of that nature. It's great. Download the Himalaya app, but if you don't have that, check out, you know, obviously Google, Apple, Spotify, TuneIn App Radio, wherever you can find podcasts, you can find Locked On Cubs. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Cubs. You can find our YouTube channel, Talking Cubs, on Cubs and Center's YouTube page. You can follow myself at Sean R. Sears. Thanks for tuning into your daily Cubs podcast. Enjoy the rest of your day and go Cubbies.